Welcome to your personal branding podcast with Bernard Kelvin Clive, your number one career and business podcast in Ghana, bringing you expert interviews and insights into personal branding, personal development, and publishing. Now, here's your host, Bernard Kelvin Clive. Good to go. Yep, good to go. All right. Welcome to another edition of our Personal Branding Podcast. I'm excited to have wonderful, the constables, couples with me here, Comanzi Constables and Cindy Constables. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Yes, thank you very much. It's a pleasure, I treasure. And so, firstly, I want to congratulate you, the two of you, for the awesome work you're doing together and also for your marriage. You recently got married. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate that. We are building a business, a life, and love together, and we definitely have a passion to teach other entrepreneurs that happen to be couples that it's possible for them as well. Absolutely. Also, yeah, getting inspired when I see couples working as teams together, pursuing a common goal and passion is exciting. And how has it been so far for you, the two of you, your journey? Um, well, in my opinion, um, it has been great, but it's definitely been challenging. Because just generally when you're working with other people, you have different personality types, you have different styles, different things that you know. So I would say from my perspective and from the male perspective that if you are going to do this, like work with your partner, it is going to require a lot of ego checking because let's be real guys. Sometimes that ego wants to hop in there and be, you know, macho man and and yada, yada, yada. And at the end of the day, um, the goal should be growth and it should be building something. And if you're going to do that, there's no place for ego in that equation. So I would say it's been absolutely wonderful to be with this person that I love, but also this person that is a brilliant business strategist and somebody who has a skill set and lots of skill sets that I do not have that have really complemented um, our business. So it's it's been wonderful that way and definitely challenging. Wonderful. Yeah, and I would echo that sentiment that it has been wonderful and definitely challenging. And from the lady's perspective, understanding that your husband or business partner is not a mind reader. So you definitely have to be clear in your communication about what it is you're wanting to do. And it's important to kind of have those meetings and expectations kind of set up at the outset so that as you guys are moving forward and building together, you know, you can freely have those conversations, you know, and as ladies, sometimes, you know, it's a joke, you know, happy wife, happy life, but it's a partnership. So it's not all about, you know, being domineering over your husband and kind of telling him how it's going to be. It's more coming together, explaining, listening to his point of view and really taking the ideas that best align with your strategic plan to move your business forward and coming together and, you know, working on those things and understanding sometimes that the male ego is a real thing (laughs) and being sensitive to that. So not uh, getting offended or, you know, feeling put out in any way, but helping your, your spouse get to the point where he can use his words because words matter. Women tend to be, you know, I'm going to generalize here, you know, women tend to be more, communicative verbally and men are unfortunately societally taught to suppress 
that, that those verbal thoughts. And so if you can help your husband express those, that way you guys can kind of get to the root of what the issue is and, and kind of move forward together. But it's been a blessing um, and a challenge, but one that's been great and we'll you know, continue to grow through. Awesome. So quick, quick take home. I picked that one from the male perspective, you need to control your ego. If you want to work with your spouse in, in, in something together, control your ego. So you don't want to have it all by yourself, but your own way. And from the, uh, from the woman's perspective too, you should also learn to understand that the, the man may not always want to communicate things to you verbally as the woman might want to. You need to learn to understand him so that you can work together in all together. It's, it's going to be challenging, but you need to understand each other and move along. Absolutely. And it's about creating that safe space for conversations to happen. Because if your husband feels like he's going to be attacked by you for his ideas or, or lack of, that's a problem. And if the wife or the woman feels like she's going to be ignored or put off by her husband, that's a problem. So creating those safe yeah. spaces for conversation. Having very open and honest communication, um, learning, like Cindy said, not to take things personally. I think just in general, that's a, I believe that's one of the four agreements, isn't it? Uh, Cindy? It absolutely yeah. is. It's the first one. And it's one that I've definitely learned from her. Uh, <laughs> and I've definitely learned in general, learning not to take things personally and just seeing them for what they are. Because, you know, in life, each of us go through different things and we don't know what's going on in another person's mind. So learning not to take things personally, I think, is, is important too, along with that open and honest communication. Learn not to take things personally. Um, awesome. So let, let's pick it from this, this angle. Now, Couples listening to us or other people desiring to have that kind of partnership with their spouse uh, would be, but not having that rapport, not able to build that. What should they do? Should they just go ahead without them? Because some are thinking, I'm not having the support of my husband or my wife. What do I need to do? I wish to have a, a corporate business or like something like this, but I'm not getting it. But I love my spouse. What do I do? Mm, so that's a tough one, and I feel like that's an issue that a lot of couples struggle with. So yeah. I'll give um, my few two cents. Um, I I would say that if you are going to try to build a business, you're going to try to make these big moves, and you don't include your spouse at all, I at some point the rubber is going to meet the road in your relationship and in your business. It's just because you're, this is such a big part of your life, and your spouse is, or partner is obviously a big part of your life, you're not going to be able to keep those two things separate forever because <laughs> at some point they are going to intersect. So even if that person is not necessarily an entrepreneur, which happens, one person might be an entrepreneur, the other person might not be. I still feel like you should involve them as much as possible. Let them know what's going on. Help them see and help them understand what it is that you're trying to do what it is that you're trying to build, but more than anything, help them understand the why behind this. Because if they can understand the why, they might not necessarily be hands-on in it, but then they're not going to be outright against it, which I have, in my experience, talked to a lot of um, entrepreneurs that had a spouse that was outright against what they were doing, and it made it so much harder. Yes, and from my perspective, you know, I've also spoken with entrepreneurs who have expressed that they don't have a supportive spouse. But I think the, the deeper question here is what support are you looking for? What does support actually look like? And, you know, building together and having a business life and love that you adore and you're doing it in full partnership, you know, yeah, maybe that's the ultimate goal. But if you're starting out and that's not the space that you're in currently, 
how to get there is number one, again, it goes back to clarity of communication because what is it that you're looking for from your spouse? So being upfront about what it is you want to accomplish with the business that you're creating, you know, your, the why, the purpose, having that frank discussion around, you know, what are the finances going to look like as it relates to that? And then understanding really what is your spouse's objection? Because I don't think your spouse is being difficult just to be difficult or, you know, objecting just for objection's sake. There is a root or a core issue there that they're really object- objecting to. So what are they afraid of? You know, is it financial? You know, is it time away from the family? You know, what is that objection? So really having that really deep conversation and getting to the root cause of your spouse's objection so that you can work through and address their concerns and then put plans and stopgap measures in place in your business development plan so that you can address your spouse's concerns and have regular check back meetings with your spouse so that your spouse can feel comfortable that, you know, as you're building this business, you have really taken to heart what they were objecting about and that you're following through with what you said you would do to allay those fears or those objections, if you will. So there's definitely a root fear there Mm -hmm. and having that conversation with your spouse beforehand and really, you know, not involving them after you've created the plan for your business and you're kind of running down the street and you're already doing stuff, but having that conversation. And if you've already started a business and you've got friction, get down to what those fears are so that you can address them you know, head on straight away and, you know, alleviate that tension. Because if your, if your marriage is suffering as a result of your business, you know, that could cause the collapse of your marriage. So it's really getting to the root cause of what your spouse's objections are. So I think the, the vice versa too. So if your business too is affecting your marriage or your marriage is affecting your business, what do you do? Yes. And oh. it's just being, having those honest conversations. Like what is your, what is your spouse's fear and really getting there you know, to, to find out what that is. And if that requires, you know, like a third party intervention, if you and your spouse are really not able to talk it out, you know, get a counselor, get a coach, you know, a, a third party trusted person and get to the root of those fears. And then you'll be able to uncover, you know, kind of what's going on there. Awesome. So a couple should not be afraid to bring an expert in a third party to help them resolve issues regarding their marriage and their business uh, so that things can be properly done. And like, uh, as you mentioned initially, to things need to be well documented, properly planned. So you know who is responsible for what, who does what and, and also able to address the fears of your, your spouse. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and think about it, you know, the, I mean, this is not a marriage counseling show, but <laughs> we, we, we tend to, not worry about fixing things until they're broken. And that goes for our, us in all different aspects of our life. You know, when our health gets to a bad spot, then we're going to, we're going to exercise and eat right and go to the doctor. When our relationship is to where we're screaming at each other and we don't want to be there anymore, then we're going to go get a counselor. When our business is on life support and we have no clients and we're getting desperate. So my advice is to nourish your relationship, nourish your business nourish your body ahead of time, kind of like preventative medicine. So you should be nurturing that relationship via, you know, couples retreats or couples counseling or whatever to improve your relationship ahead of time. Just like as a business owner, you're getting constant training in your skill or your craft um, or going to personal development type things. 
and in your, your health, you know, you're, you're eating right and working out and doing all those things before there's a problem. So yes, bringing in a third party in your business life and love is important before there's a problem. Okay. Now let's, let's move towards uh, building the brand as couples, the constables or the clients, building brands as couples. How do you begin? How do you start? Ooh, well, I think it's got to start with a strategy, which is definitely not something that is my strong suit, but f- you have to realize your strengths, right? So like my strength is I, I like to work on the tactics, maybe even some of the technical side of things, and I'm always go, go, go. Cindy happens to be the person that wants to step back, look at the overall strategy, and see how the tactics all fit together. So when it comes to the branding, you have to have the strategy behind what you're doing. Now, are you going to brand that as you guys are the couple? Are you going to brand that as an agency or firm? Are you going to brand that in another way? It really depends on what are your overall goals and what your strategy is behind what you're going to do. If you're going to do things like you had mentioned speaking or consulting, something to that effect. Well, in it works better when you brand it as an agency or firm, but then how does that fit each of your individual brands? So that's the, the real question starts with what's the strategy behind what you're doing? the strategy behind what you want to do. Yes. Yes. And I would have to agree with that because once you've decided what your strategy is, your, your vision, your mission, everything that you do from there aligns with that. So it becomes much easier for you to turn down opportunities that are not aligned with what you're doing. Once you've figured out, you know, what your overarching goals are and your plan to get there. So, cause Every opportunity might be good opportunities, but it might not be the right opportunity for your company or for you guys individually. And so it becomes much easier to sift and sort those opportunities if you've put together that plan and that strategy ahead of time so that you're not chasing, you know, every shiny object that comes along that's willing to pay you. So moving forward now, couples building brands together, having this strategy in place and now want to dominate the online space like the constables are doing um, right now for about 20 international magazines, portals online. How do you get such gigs and uh, writing gigs to be able to push your brand, give your brand more visibility? Yeah, so when it comes to writing for larger places, um, it really starts with having that foundation in place that we're talking about. So one, the strategy behind your business, having the structure for your business, then having your online foundation established. So when I say online foundation, I mean your website. You do indeed need a website. There does need to be content on that website because I would guess for people that are in our space, if I went and we went and looked at their websites, the content's going to be like, you know, from six months ago. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's normally how it goes, right? Um, you go hard for a while and then you neglect it. But that's the first place that an, an editor would come to is going to come to your own platform. And the thought process is if you can't be consistent on your own platform, why would they think you could be consistent on their platform? So it's an easy DQ um, if you are not consistent on your own platform. But first, having your online website that shows your expertise in your topic. It's very clearly demonstrated on your website. This is what you do. We get it. And then there's fresh content on there that is educating readers on your topic. And then from there, you need just a little bit of social proof before you start going after the largest type of publications. So what I always suggest that people do is you can go set up a account on Medium 
and start publishing some content there. You can go on LinkedIn publisher is really big these days. So you can publish a couple articles there and then you can go on a publication like thrive global thrive global happens to be Ariana Huffington's platform. That's where she went after she sold the Huffington post and you can sign up. Once you sign up, they're going to give you a contributor account. Once you have that contributor account, you then have the ability to publish articles. So you can publish articles on branding, on health, on whatever your topic is, you can publish it. And then you will officially have your first publication article published online. You can then take that link. You can take the link from your own website. You could take the link from LinkedIn publisher. You got three links there now that you can include as you're writing samples. And when you're sending pitches to these larger places, you're saying, Hey, my name is Bernard. Here is my expertise in my topic. I am a fan of your publication for this reason and give them a specific reason. Here are some samples of my work. And here are some things that I could possibly write about for your publication. By that, putting together a pitch in that way, what you're doing is you're showing that, hey, you are an expert in your topic. You are showing that you have done research on their publication. So it's not just you sending out a blanket pitch to a bunch of publications because an editor hates that. And they could see that coming a mile away. You're showing some quality samples of your work and they are on a few different places, which looks appealing to an editor. And then you're going to give them some interesting ideas. And if you don't know what you'd write about for a publication, go to the publication, go to their popular post section. So each large publication has like their top 50 posts, most popular posts this week, um, popular posts this month. They have a section where they're listing off the posts that are popular. Those posts are popular for a reason. So instead of reinventing the wheel, go ahead and get some ideas from those popular posts. If you see somebody writing about, you know, five uh, personal branding tips every entrepreneur should use, all right, and that's in their popular post, what's a track that you could take that is along those lines without copying it? I'm not telling you should copy. You definitely shouldn't copy, um, but you can definitely be inspired and you could model the success of those posts because you know they've already done well on that site. Amazing. Yeah, and then my advice would be to ensure that the publications that you're choosing, again, are aligned with your overall strategic mission. So if you're writing in places that your ideal target audience is not going to be hanging out and reading, then that doesn't benefit you or your brand, your audience. So you want to be writing for publications that are speaking to your target audience. So just be selective in the publications that you're choosing. So a quick walk through is one you need to, from Cine's perspective, one you need to really ensure that the blogs or the sites or portals that you want to write for, they are in line with your personal mission statement or your purpose of your, your reason for your brand and also where your audience or likely uh, market need to be so that you don't just be writing for any kind of publication, but it should be aligned with your, your, your vision, your goal, and it should be reach, able to reach your, your target markets or your client. And the second thing that most importantly, you need to have your own portal, like a website or a blog, even though you start a medium, so that you, you, you show a social proof that you can do something consistently on your own. You are an expert in a field. You have something to to speak about or to speak for itself, then you can use those three platforms as a reference to pitch to this large medium organization. Are you right on point? 
Yes, right on point. And the other thing that I would add, and my wife can speak to this, is there's also like a mindset thing in regards to just writing in general. Because um, Cindy will tell you she's not the biggest fan of writing, but she has been doing it. She's been doing it a lot more. You want to speak to that, babe? Yes, writing is definitely not my first love. Speaking is my first love. I will speak. Blasphemy. Blasphemy. <laughs> Kamanzi's first love is writing. I think he's from another planet. But yeah, from another yeah, planet. so you know, and content create. You know, you hear content is king. Yeah. You know, the rest of the world, cash is king. Um, so for creating that content for me was felt much more like a chore. It is easier when I've written about things that are more important, I guess, more personal to me that I feel passionate about, which, you know, personal development being one of those things, I tend to have a much easier time writing about that. Um, and I've written a lot of technical content in my life, which is different from the types of information you would put out on some of the mainstream publications. So just like Kamazi said, researching those publications seeing what types of articles are doing well. Are they a listicle site? Are they heavy on data? Are they heavy on quoting resources? Is it, you know, first person? Is it third person? Is it story format? And so whatever your writing style, write for publications that also target your avatar, your customer avatar, and then it will become a little easier. And like anything else, you know, the more I did it, the easier it becomes. I still don't love it, but I don't dread it anymore. So looking at all this, one building a brand, internet, global brand with this, what has been some of the challenges, your personal challenges and, and challenges people are going to face when they start to launch out there to write for other publications to establish the authority online? Yeah, when you're starting out, it's just the fact that you're not well known. Um, whether it's a publication, you're not going to be, unless you're like an Elon Musk or Richard Branson or... <laughs> Some prolific, you know, like a, uh, Neil Patel or somebody like that, that's a prolific content creator. You're just not going to be well known. And then it's convincing the publication, the conference, the company that you don't have that name recognition yet that you are somebody that they should consider. You are somebody that they should publish. You are somebody that they should book. So starting out, it's going to be building your brand. <laughs> That's what branding's all about, right? Building your brand and showing that you are an expert in what you talk about. And I also think there's quite a bit of self-limited belief stuff when you're starting, but I know that's um, something that Cindy could speak to a lot better than I could. Yeah. The, the, when you're first starting out, you know, the self-limiting beliefs will tell you that you're not good enough. You know, you suck at this. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say anyway. Those kinds of, kinds of things kind of get in the way of your progress. And then understanding that there's going to be a rejection along the way. And if you have some belief systems that are telling you you're not good enough already, and then you send in a pitch to a publication and the editor is less than pleasant with their reply, it can really crush you. And not all editors are going to be nice or friendly or even respond. Sometimes it's just crickets. You send it in and they never say a word to you. So understanding that even the successful of us, you know, get turned down for publications or we get rejected or they don't like the article. And it's not speaking to your worth. It's just maybe they have enough articles on that subject, especially if you're writing on something that's kind of timely in the news right now. You know, they might have already gotten a lot of submissions on that or they don't feel it's a good fit for their audience. So just really separating yourself 
from the outcome of those pitches. And this comes true for if you're pitching publications, if you're pitching conferences for speaking engagements, or if you're, you know, turning in RFPs for businesses to try to get a consulting job. It's not saying that you are not good enough. It's just saying that they went in the direction. So that's kind of the biggest part from a limiting belief standpoint is separating yourself from that outcome that there will be rejection, but it's not a rejection of you as a person. It's not a rejection of your skill set. It's just, you know, on to the next. That, that's quite a, a difficult hurdle to cross because quite a number of people think that they are not good enough because they are, the articles have been rejected or able to cross that barrier of uh, limiting self-belief that, oh, it's not about you, could be other reasons. Um, so what are some of the processes or ways to overcome such belief system? Well, for me, my, my advice would be to be doing the work on yourself personally all the time. So I am a huge personal development junkie. I have been heavily involved in personal development for years now. I go to multiple personal development seminars annually. Um, there's tons of free content online as well, like, you know, Tony Robbins and Brene Brown are two of my favorites, Abraham Hicks. So doing things to improve your own mindset and your own self-worth as you're going through is what's really important. You know, just getting your mind right and everything else is going to come from there because thoughts become things. And if you're thinking you're not good enough and you're believing that, when that rejection comes through from an editor saying, you know, this article's trash, you know, we would never print this. Um, it could crush your soul. So you've got to really be doing the work personally. Um, and this is where, you know, that third party help comes in. You know, what I talked about earlier, not waiting until stuff is broken to get assistance. Be working on yourself constantly to be the best version of yourself. And that's mind, body, soul, spirit. Be working on all of it all the time so that as you come across these bumps in the road or you you know, lose a client, you know, you don't go into these tailspins. So it's just really helpful to continually improve upon yourself, motivate yourself, because um, it's really nobody else's job to, to motivate you and, and, and get you there. That's really an inside job. You can take some external motivation initially and some borrow some belief from someone else like a spouse or, or a good friend as you're getting started. But as you go at some point, you know, you have to develop that internal belief that you can do it. I believe you can and you can. I, I, I want Kim um, to speak on, on this. You help people, you coach people in building their brands to secure international gigs. Um, how challenging has that been and how can people, when they start snowballing with their online content, how can they attract? Again, it's dealing with those self-learning beliefs. And then at the end of the day, if you have a plan in place, you have the strategy, you know what you're going to do, then you can do the tactics and you can do that work anyways, even on the days where you don't feel like an imposter, but constantly doing that work to become the best version of yourself is crucially important. And then as far as going after global opportunities, well, it, it all depends on what it is that you want is by uh, building up your resume, probably where you live first and foremost. There's going to be a lot of meetup events and rotary clubs and chamber of commerces and all kinds of places locally that you can go ahead and speak. You can get some video of yourself speaking. You can get some of that social proof. Um, there are WordCamp events. There's uh, TEDx talks. There's a number of different types of events that could give you some social proof that will look appealing to a quote unquote global opportunity. Same thing with consulting. There's companies where you live. There's smaller privately held companies 
There's um, companies that won't be the big global powerhouse brands when you're starting out, and that's fine. But you can do some of the smaller stuff to build up your experience, to build up your social proof. Because if you are going to go after the big global opportunities, they're going to want to see that you have that expertise and that you have that experience. So you always need to have a portfolio in one way or the other, whether you're speaking, you're writing, something that's a social proof to to prove that you can do the job or you're doing something that you can take and attract uh, the kind of, I mean, um, gigs that you desire. Yeah, the more way that you can show your expertise in your topic, the more of a easier decision, so to speak, it's going to be for the person that's making the decision whether or not to book you. Okay. So once you start then, how do you shoot online? To, to reach people globally. Yeah, how do you uh, pitch people globally? So are we talking about speaking and consulting? Are we talking about publications? What are we, talk- are we talking about just selling your courses and stuff? This time you're looking at speaking and consulting. Um, well, you would find you would find events that are happening in other places. There's a lot of conference directory websites that will list off events like one ten timescom is, is one type of site. Eventbrite is another type of site that list off events globally and they'll, that will tell you events that are happening, where they're going on. You can look through those conference directory sites, look uh, farther out and see which one might be aligned with your message, your brand, with your strategy, and you can start pitching. For companies, you look for companies that are in other countries. There's lots of lists of companies all over the place that you can find companies that are where you live or in other countries. And then it's a matter of putting together a well-structured pitch. Yeah, okay. So you always need to start with a directory of such a way events are being posted or published. Then you search for the organizers of such events and you, you then pitch them. Yes. In all this, in building your brand as couples, uh, doing international business and uh, writing content online, or what will be, maybe I'll start with Sydney, what will be your top three advice to people, couples, or individuals who want to establish their presence online, build their global brands? Well, again, just figuring out who it is that you want to reach is always going to be the first part. So when you're going to establish your expertise, who it is you're trying to reach, what your ideal customer looks like, and then specifically what it is you're going to help them do. What problem do you solve for that person? So all of your marketing efforts, your content, your messaging, your branding, all of that stuff goes together, really speaks directly to who it is you help and how it is that you help them. Because your customer really needs to be able to self-identify when they read your copy or read your article. They say, Oh my gosh, I, I have that problem. I, you know, I need, I need them to help me with that. So just really being clear on what it is you help them with. Because if you're unclear or if you're too broad or too generalized, then it becomes difficult for people to understand what it is you do and what it is that you provide. So being very clear as to what it is you're going to help that customer do at the end of the day from working with you. What is that end result that they will get to you? Kimanzi? Yes. The three things that you said you need to do if you're going to build online. Is that the question? Exactly. Yeah. The three things that you have to do one. Yeah. It is being clear on who that ideal customer is and it's the, who do you want to help and what do you want to help them do Two, For me, it's building your 
the technical part of this, the, the tactical part of this, your foundation, your website, building an email list and then creating a social media presence because that's how you're going to show your expertise, get people to know, like, and trust you and to build your audience. Um, you're going to want to do that. And then that's the third thing that I would tell you is make sure you are building your audience. Um, organically posting on social media, what you offer and hoping that people see it is not going to be enough. Mm. The organic reach of social media is incredibly low and it's just going to get lower. So you need to be building an email list. You need to be building in a place that is going to be for you. That is going to be your audience. And I would say audience building is something that a lot of entrepreneurs neglect. Some most don't understand the strategy behind what they're doing, but then the ones that do are just hoping to get people on social media and they're hoping to build their business that way. And it, it doesn't work that way. You're going to want to build your audience under your platforms that you own and that you can speak to directly. So uh, building an audience is critical and having a newsletter or getting the leads using emails is very important so that you can able to reach the right audience and also able to market your, your products and services. Exactly. Awesome. So, Constable, what would be your billion-dollar advice to the world on branding? Billion-dollar advice on branding? Um, probably the best advice is to really have that clarity in your overall strategy. What do you want to accomplish in your business, in your life, in your love? Because those things are all going to work hand-in-hand. Hand. Having just a clear vision for where this is all going, because if you know where it's going, you know how it all fits together, then you can go ahead and you can move all the pieces around and put those pieces together in a way that makes sense. And then once you have clarity on that, just don't limit your mindset on what's possible because we live in a time of infinite possibilities mm -hmm. and there is abundance, there is speaking gigs, there's consulting gigs, there's publication, there's paid writing, there's courses to be sold. There is no limit on what you can accomplish and what you build unless you limit, limit it in your mind and you don't want to do that. Also, one, it's clarity to break the limitation. There's no limit to what you can do, be, and have. Cindy. Well, I am not a branding expert, but I would say the biggest thing is to be who you are in your branding materials. So whatever voice that you speak with to your customer, whatever your style is, that needs to come across in everything that you do and everything that you put out so that when your customers and clients work with you, they feel like they already know you. And so that your branding and all of your materials that go out is, are really just an extension of who you are authentically, who you are at core level, so that you don't have a bunch of slicky branding and then you walk in and that doesn't match you know, who they meet when you walk in the room. So to me, it should be a seamless transition. So whoever you work with to build your brand and, you know, build out your, your whole strategy to ensure that it really speaks in your voice and who you are so that you're connecting truly with your customer. Last words from you to couples out there seeking to build global business together like the two of you are doing. I have a couple of friends online like Ogadanga's online too. They are building brands together as couples and it's amazing. And my wife and I are doing the same. So it's you set the right pace and you're inspiring millions globally. And we want you to give us your last words to people, your fans and followers and people who want to pursue what you're doing. 
I will let the ladies go first. I'll let my wife go first. <laughs> <laughs> so last words. Communication, communication, communication. Be open and honest with your spouse and be a really, really good listener so that you're hearing what your spouse has to say to you. Words matter. Try to not use terms like always, never when you're having conversations because those words shut down a conversation faster than anything you've seen. When you, someone says to you, well, you always do this. Mm. That puts someone on the defense. They say, well, I don't always do that. Or, or they'll say, well, when, when did I do it? Give me an example. So don't use a, that kind of language. Your words matter. Be clear when you talk to your spouse and to, to sum that up, what you should always remember when dealing with your spouse is it's me and you versus the problem. It is never me versus you. Oh, wow. It's me and you versus the problem, but never me versus you. And it's communication, yes. communication, communication. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. I would uh, echo the same things. You have to put your ego aside, you have to commit to growth, um, growing in every area of your life, becoming the best version of yourself as an individual, and then also as a couple. So having that communication ahead of time on what are your goals individually, what are your goals as a couple, and then being committed to that growth and realizing that with growth, growth is going to stretch you. And there are going to be a lot of moments that are not going to feel comfortable. And that's all part of the process. But understanding that every experience in life is an opportunity for you to learn and taking those lessons as lessons, learning from them, not getting all up in your chest and, and really loving your partner in the way that love what it truly means as wow. a concept and as a word. Wow, amazing. That's statue. How can listeners contact the constables you can uh, see my personal website at kconstable.com. That's C-O-N-S-T-A-B-L-E. And you can reach my lovely and beautiful wife, Cindy, at Cindy R. Kelly, Kelly with an E-Y dot com. And you can see um, both of our different facets of what we do and how we bring things together. All right. It's been an amazing time with both of you, and I really appreciate and learned a lot from the two of you. I'm inspired by your works, and I say thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you so much for having us. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. I treasure. Hi, so if you enjoyed this podcast, head on to Amazon.com slash author slash Bernard Kelvin and get all my books on building a successful personal brand, personal brand, corporate branding. Just go to Amazon.com slash author slash Bernard Kelvin or at best just go to Amazon.com and search for Bernard Kelvin Climb. All my books will be available to you. Just purchase copies and buy some for your friends. The best is yours.